Ben Happy Hour, the officially unofficial podcast for Mad Men on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this is it. This is the season six wrap-up cast, the last one of the year. Uh, for who knows how long. Mad Men always takes forever to come back on. Or at least it feels like it. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering if they're not going to move Mad Men into the Breaking Bad slot for the final season. Oh. Because they've got so, stuff. So it would be more than a year. Yeah, I mean, you're I, saying. I don't know because they've got... The killing, assuming that they renew that again, oh, they've wow. got hell on wheels. They got some stuff that they could fill the springtime slot with, and they've already got Walking Dead as kind of a strong uh, intro as far as audience wise into that. Um, I, I'm kind of interested to see what AMC does moving forward. I mean, yeah. Breaking Bad is going to be a huge hole in their lineup, and the next year they lose Mad Men as well. Yep. They're going to replace it with Hometown Security <laughs> reruns oh, all night. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And Comic Book Men. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're, they're getting good rate. They're getting excellent ratings with The Walking Dead and, and no doubt making yeah. a lot of money. But, uh, you know, they, they've been a perennial Emmy contender and, and, and buzz for basically the last seven years due entirely to these two shows. So, yeah. Uh, maybe they're just gonna. Maybe this hell, was their blip on the radar. Yeah, I don't know. I, that would be sad if true. But it like, would be. Yeah, Hell on Wheels ain't gonna cut it as a replacement. Uh, the Killing. Uh, I've, you know, I haven't ever watched it. I I've I heard, heard the first season was terrible, and so I didn't watch any of it. I actually heard. I was very excited because um, I thought the, I've heard the re- really good things about the first four or five episodes of season one. Then I heard that, you know, it's like any type thing with a strong premise, sometimes it's hard to keep it going. And they, mm-hmm. similar into season three Walking Dead style, set fan expectations up for one thing and then rope a dope them with another. Yeah, that's a terrible, terrible I, thing to do. I haven't heard I haven't heard any real buzz for season three of it, but you know, I don't I don't know. I it'll, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they have something up their sleeve for uh you know, kind of a follow-up on this. Yeah, they're going to need it. I mean, they have two of the best shows on television right now. Yeah, it'd be like if HBO <laughs> had, you know, got the commissioned uh, Oz and Sopranos and then never did anything else. Yeah. It's like, you know, well, that's you, it, you we're have, done. You have that with stations, right? I mean, like, for a while, FX was just freaking awesome. Then they kind of, after The Shield, I mean, what did you hear about FX when that ended? Nothing well, but they really. tried. I mean, they come back had, like, justified. Rescue Me was was pretty good. They tried with the fighter, which I uh, was Rescue Me the Dennis Leary one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they had Nip Tuck. Uh, you know, so it's like it's not like they just stopped trying. And I guess maybe yeah, you could argue no. the AMC has neither. Just they, they haven't, haven't stopped trying. They haven't right. hit it big like they did with right. these two shows. And the other thing is, you know. That's something that a lot of people have asked us to talk about the last few weeks uh, as we signed off from uh, a couple of various shows. And I don't think we actually, the topic has come up, but 
Is it possible that the golden age of television is drawing to a close? No. You don't think no. so? No. We're far from it. Well, I mean, there's... When you've got things like Justified on TV. I mean, Justified is a contender. It is. For, like, serious television. But it's a mature show, too. I mean, where are the shows? I True. mean, I, but, but you know, you got the Americans that were awesome. Home, yeah. Homeland, which mm-hmm. who knows how it's going to be in season three, but it's been, it's, it's been excellent. Uh, you've got uh, Hannibal on uh-huh. network television, which I've been very impressed. I saw the first couple episodes of that. So I don't think it's premature to call out the end. You still got Boardwalk Empire that's it's kind of in the, its prime. And honestly, its season three was strong. Like, I, I'm, huh. I haven't it, seen it. It is one of my most anticipated uh shows of this of this year and then you're you're gonna laugh obviously but there's stuff like the newsroom which you know has a lot of potential yeah it does have potential D- and depending it's got on a good how pedigree. well they can clean it up yeah sure sure so, so there's still a lot of shows there that can if not completely fill the void maybe uh they can what they've lost in quality they can make up for in quantity mm. you just i don't know wonder how many people how many well and the other things you don't know is like because because who knew vince uh, Villi- uh, uh, shit. Vince, Villigan. Vince Gilligan, you know, yeah, some people knew him from X Files, sure, but who really knew him as a household name until, yeah, you know, so he what's came he out. Gonna do next? Right? Exact same thing with Wiener. Uh, you know, did how many people knew that he was uh, one of the head writers on Sopranos? Yeah, until he had Mad Men. So who are the showrunners and the you know writer producers and the staff writers on Mad Men and Breaking Bad and Justified mm-hmm. that are going to break out and uh, you know have a new hit series? Yeah, maybe uh, Ryan Johnson is going to do something. Who knows? <laughs> he did Loopers, right? That was pretty freaking awesome. I think he was just a director, though, wasn't he? Mm. He didn't actually write that or anything. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, let's, yeah, let's get let's... to the main content. <laughs> uh, up front, before I forget, I, on the tip of my tongue was the Tom and Lorenzo term for like we were trying to talk about what, what Joan is, someone that enjoys the comp- company of of gay men, and what okay. they they said is a fruit fly. They called her. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's the one that was buzzing around the tip of my tongue. Uh, I just thought I, I I made a couple bullet points about major plot points that uh, you know major moments of the season, and I thought you know we could kind of like get our juices going by considering some of that. Sure. Uh, SCDP lost Jaguar and Vix this season. This is stuff all happened this season. Yeah. But gained uh, Chevy and Sun kissed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sally walked in on Dad committing adultery. Yep. Major event. Don almost drowns in a pool in L.A. after mm-hmm. tripping on drug on on hashish yeah. and seeing a pregnant Megan and an armless PFC Dinklin. Mm-hmm. Uh, betting Don hooked back up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, as far as his history, uh, we had the Ted offensive. Uh, Are we supposed to be like talking or addressing any of this? No, stuff? I'm just if anything comes to mind, but I'm just trying to think. It's like you know, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, yes. Some people said yeah. that not a lot happened this this season, and this is kind of a refutation of that. We mm-hmm. had a Ted offensive. Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. MLK was assassinated. Um, we've got uh, Peggy stabbed Abe in the gut with a makeshift spear. <laughs> Bought a building in New York City. Like Bought, she's come a long way this she's season. She's a landlord now. The entire office injected speed. 
Uh huh. Bobby and Sally were held hostage by the Grandma Ida. Uh huh. SD- There's been SCDP a merger. and G- CGC merged. Yep. Uh, Bob Benson. Like <laughs> that's all you got to say. Set set the fucking internet on fire. As far as like, yep. Mad Men's never been like a conspiracy show. Yeah. Uh, although in the last few seasons, there has been a lot of people, you know, kind of you know trying to get to the symbolism and some of the underlying you know messages and seeing where Wiener the Wiener's going. Yep. But I've never seen anything like people were saying about Bob Benson. No, he. Everyone immediately felt like he was some sort of wild card in there. And it turned out that he was, to a large degree. I mean, uh, the events that happened around him, certainly at the ending, I mean, if you want to consider that an event that happened around Bob Benson with Pete's mother being killed. Well, I mean, we don't know, and I don't know that we'll ever know. Certainly, Bob Benson was the one to introduce that plot thread. Without Bob Benson there, Manolo's not there, his mother's not there. Right. Yeah. Uh, Look, everything that happened to Pete... Uh, Pete started the season finally, uh, basically bullying, cajoling Trudy and letting him have his, the Pete pit, mm-hmm. but he couldn't keep the Pete pit in. He couldn't keep the Pete pit happenings at the Pete pit. It spilled over to his next door neighbor. Yep. Gets kicked out of home, gets divorced. Uh, his mother dies at the end of the season. He's exiled to LA. Well, his mother moves in with him. Like, oh yeah. The Pete pit. Uh, then he gets a doctor to take care of her. There's a lot of stuff going on there. I mean, he... I would say that Pete went a long way towards being a more sympathetic character this season. Agree, disagree? Oh, boy. Um, sympathetic. Pathetic. Yeah. Pathetic, yes. Maybe pathetic. <laughs> sympathetic? Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, when when your mother is thrown overboard... Uh, on a cruise ship, I have a little bit of sympathy for you. <laughs> he's definitely the most interesting I think his character's ever been. Yeah, he's getting really interesting. I like the idea um, of him being more than just a Don wannabe, uh, of having his own issues, uh, being broken in a lot of the same ways that Don is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's he's his own guy. He's not just following in Don's footsteps. And the, the uh, contention between them this season really highlights that. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Um, we see Joan landed Avon, yeah. her first major account, and uh, that's kind of a Pete plot line too because it was symbolized kind of, or not as a symbolized, but as a symptom of Pete's continuing decline of stock at the uh, the firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Megan had a miscarriage. Roger's mom dies, which sent him spiraling into as close a depression as we've ever seen him get to. Yep. Uh, he was in therapy, which man, I thought when that was in the first, the two parter, I thought that was going to be a season long kind of gag slash story element, And it went nowhere. Really dropping the LSD. No, no, not the LSD. I'm talking about his therapy. Oh yeah. Where he's on the couch with. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, he, Mm -hmm. he made one allusion to still being in therapy uh, in the tale of two cities episode, but that's it. That was kind of surprising to me. Uh, Betty tried to spice things up with uh, Henry with this, a pedo rape fantasy. Uh, Henry's running for government. Uh huh. Lots of shit. I mean, that's a lot stuffed into basically a 12-episode season. There was tons of stuff that happened this season. Yeah. And, I mean, you can say all you want about the Sylvia uh, plot thread kind of being a retread of Don's past. Mm-hmm. But... 
I don't know about the rest of the audience. I felt that worked pretty well. I mean, I if if you were making the argument, I feel like the argument had to die when Sally walked yeah. in on them. Oh, certainly. Because that was the difference. Now, yeah, will they they dropped it for a little bit too in the middle of the season, right? They they didn't keep pressing that issue over and over until they finally did get back together and then Sally, you know. Uh, so I, I felt like they, they milked that just enough. It was on the border of being annoying. Right. But they, they handled it pretty well, I thought. Okay, so I've got some questions. I'm going to basically turn the cast into an interview here. Okay, good. Uh, I think we talked, we've done this in the last few postseason casts. We see the preseason artwork where we have two Dons passing, one yeah. walking towards New York, one walking away, one with Me- what looks like Megan's hand in his, the other alone. You know, the cops are kind of looking. Do we – do you have a greater appreciation for that uh, – te- those those teaser images now than you did at the beginning of the season? And what and, and, and what all do you think it means? Which Don is looking at which Don? Well, see, I see... And I don't remember exactly. I see the Don walking towards New York that looks like he doesn't have Megan with him as like a dick, that, that symbolism of Dick Whitman. And the one walking okay. away with Megan in hand represents Don Draper who wanted to flee to L.A. away from New York City mm-hmm. with his young wife and basically kind of restart things and get a new beginning that he can fall in love with. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, I feel like the reading we need to take of uh, the two Dons passing is they're noticing each other. Uh, and this season, definitely at the end there, we we see a breakdown in Don's psyche to where he actually notices what he is and what he's become, you know? Right. Uh, and, and this is Don noticing Don for the first time. Right. Well, uh, I don't s- know what the cops mean in that. I don't honestly. I don't know if it's it's just supposed to symbolize the uh, kind of we saw a lot of crime, a lot of unrest. That's supposed to be kind of symbolic of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, there, there's also if if you look at this, you know, there's like a a, a kind of a very prominent one way symbolism. Yeah, you know, pointing towards New York. Um, also the, the Don that's walking towards New York, which is, I'm, I'm taking is Dick Whitman is wearing a light suit. The one walking away is wearing a dark suit, like a war for the two sides of his soul, the light and the dark. Mm -hmm. Do you think, am I reading too much into it yet? (laughs) Should I keep going? No, probably. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) No, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of deep symbolism in there. Uh, the one way sign, I think, I think you're right is key. That to me says that maybe Don hasn't actually changed anything. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, one every, way is a scary thing for Don because he has been one way for so long. Right. And it has not worked out for him. Right. Yeah, I've got some kind of predictions to touch on that here in a bit. But, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like... And I feel that it was almost impossible still to make sense of this up until the last season or the, the penultimate that episode yeah. and the last one. Yep. And kind of similar to, I don't think I fully appreciated him looking longingly at the, at the mannequin showing and kind of an idolized domestic, uh, you know, male fantasy uh, of what domestic life is until the final episode or two of last season. Yeah. Uh, that's 
kind of, that's that's kind of amazing what Matthew Weiner is able to do by plotting out and releasing. I, there's not very many other shows that do that. Um, I know Breaking Bad does, but like Justified is still shooting while the first few episodes are being aired. You know. Uh-huh. Um, so you're just saying like laying out an entire season before the season has begun. Right. And I, and I feel like that also breaking bad does that to a lesser extent. They've got all their pre-production and production done, but they're still doing post-production up until the damn episode gets out the door. Like when we interviewed composer, uh, David Porter, that was one of the most shocking things that came out of it is that he's like basically got the week before it airs to get all that stuff done. Yeah. And, you know, what a crushing sense of deadline is where, you know, I think MW here taking his time pays off. Well, yeah. And so we we know that he takes his time, right? Because as we discussed last episode, um, there was the whole plot thread with Dawn that never came to fruition um, because it didn't work out. Right. Uh, Like, I guess they had told that story. They had tried to make it fit. It just wasn't working. So they cut it and you know got other footage to put in there right on so i mean yeah obviously they've they've thought this out quite a bit how does he keep the spoilers down man <laughs> i don't know how does he keep scripts from getting out there's no and... other show like every other show we usually get lot big chunks of the plot several weeks before and yeah. especially like the mid-season finales and the finales uh we almost always get fairly reliable spoilers how in the world i feel like this is something that he bakes into everyone's mindset. This is why we have Vincent mm-hmm. Carthizer saying stupid stuff like, oh, <laughs> oh, I don't know that Pete's intended to be a comic character. I yeah, mean, right. okay, whatever, Mr. Prattfall on the stairs. Uh, okay, Either that or he keeps them all in cages until the thing airs. <laughs> I don't know. He Maybe he has some tricks. Maybe he only gives people like their piece of the script and nobody gets the whole thing and – but even then, know. even then, something should get out, right? And you got you got editors and yeah, those people have everything, and people doing ADR, and I, I just yeah, I don't think there's a way to compartmentalize enough to keep it out of the public's hands. But somehow he doesn't. I think it goes to show because he also doesn't give screeners out to anybody. Yeah, um, I think it also goes to show that probably a majority of the leaks are going out or are coming out as a result of sending screeners to. The, the Could press, be. yeah, probably. I mean, Joe Schmo on uh, TV Blog X gets a DVD screener. He doesn't give a shit, right? He's gonna spoil the thing and hope he gets a bunch of hits. All right, next question: What is in store for Peggy? What is Peggy going to do? Dead season seven, <laughs> episode one. Dead. She she won't even be mentioned again in the series. Do you think she will be creative director next season, or do you think that they will have found the male replacement? Man, I don't like how What's-His-Name came out of the elevator. Yep. I don't like that, because Peggy seemed to think she had it wrapped up. Yeah. I I think you're right, yeah. Um, She had her pantsuit on. She was ready to fucking let out her woman roar and take over the world, right? And she seems very capable. Hell, I don't know why they wouldn't want her in that position. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I really hope that she is creative director because I think she could do some really good things there. Hmm. I don't know because... But do you think Stan would want to work underneath Peggy? I mean, remember that speech he gave to her about, like, the guy you hire being your boss one day? Mm Mm-hmm. 
isn't that essentially what happened with Stan? Like, how long has Stan been there? Hmm, since season four. It's well after Peggy started, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, she may not have been the person who hired him, but mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's going to like that, especially after he got kind of double-crossed by Don this episode. Stan may not even be there. Well, I've got Stan some... Stan may have left. I've got some... I kind of hope they do fuck Peggy over, because I think uh, it'll be an interesting possibility. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it'll it, make it, things more interesting. Yeah, and I, I got a prediction that addresses that. Um, what do you think about Ted overseeing her from California? Bullshit. To me, this has disaster written all over it. Because, yeah. number one... How are you going to – how is he going to manage Peggy after the shit he pulled? I don't know. Number two, how is that going to be good for him to have daily contact, even creative contact with her when his whole stated purpose to going to California is to pull himself out of this? It's not. It's not good for anybody there. Also, and again, you know, take this for the grain of salt because it is Matthew Weiner. Yep. He is very heavily implying, if not outright stating in a few cases, that Don is actually fired from SC and P. You think? Why, I don't why think. Do you, why I do think you say that's that? what I because he said things like, Yes, it's it's an indefinite leave and I mean the first few interviews I read of him were kind of ambiguous, but towards the end of the week, as I was reading, continuing to read interviews, and he gave oh, out a lot. Oh, this is not from stuff in the show. This is this is from, yeah, the wiener okay. basically saying, yeah, subtext, Don got fired. Gotcha. I don't know. How badly does Don need this job? I, well, I don't think he does. Financially, I mean, he probably we'll, doesn't. We'll see if, if, if Megan ends up divorcing him. But I, I just think that, you know, Don's not coming back. So Peggy's going to need this supervision, or she's going to get bumped up to creative director or whatever. But but Ted overseeing her has got to be a disaster. If Don doesn't come back, what kind of season seven does that leave us with? Well, with that's one of the questions I've got. Half the I've office got. in California, half the people in New York, and Don not even a part of the company anymore. Is it possible to have a season seven without SC&P? I don't think so. How no? You need closure for, or if not closure, you need at least some sort of wrap up for uh, the people who are still employed by SCMP. I think you have to have that, unless they're all fired too, or SCMP goes under. Okay, well let me ask you this: Do we need to see Jim Cutler ever again? No, I don't care. We need to see Teddy ever again. Really? I give him give him half an episode arc and be okay. done with it. <laughs> Do we need to see Bert? Bert, yeah, we need to see what happens to old Bert. Okay, well, I disagree. I small, think... small little piece. Just let us know. I don't really care if he's on screen, but let us know what happened to him. When we say when we say SC and P, I really think we only care about Roger, Joan, Peggy, and Pete. That's and, and yeah, and Don, and I kind of actually care about Stan and Ginsburg a little bit more than even like really uh, Teddy. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't know. I feel like they'd really dropped the ball with Ginsburg. I don't know. They that, did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was such an interesting character from last year, and he's basically comic relief, mm-hmm. and you know, hippie on staff kind of dude. Well, around the office. Kind, no, I mean he he was there for that conflicted viewpoint, like being yeah. a part of the system, sure, sure, but also hating the system. <laughs> um, which so, I thought I, I liked a lot, but yeah, you're right. They don't have much to do with him anymore. So let's ask. Let's let's break this down. So we we care about Don. Obviously, this is his show. He's not going anywhere. Where yep. does he go? Um, I I was Ooh. 
in an interesting thread on Reddit where someone was saying the key to seeing his role in season seven was a quote from Bobby Barrett, which is the comedian's wife that he had the the infamous threatening finger bang with. Uh-huh. Uh, she says she said, this is America. You pick a job and then become the person that does it, which resonated hmm. with Don at the time because that's exactly what he did. Yeah. Well, he exactly. no longer has this job that he's had to become the person that does it. Uh-huh. So is he going to be free to be finally Dick Whitman? That's interesting. Uh, hopefully. I hope so. For the sake of his children, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I like that clue. What do you think about Megan? Do you think they're done? They're donezo? Are we going to see Ooh. anything at all with her? Man, you're you're wanting me to make all sorts of predictions here. I'm just asking questions. You don't have to make a prediction. <laughs> Your gut say that Megan's going to be in season seven. In the questions you were asking require predictions as answers. Uh, will we see more of Megan? Are they done? So, uh, my prediction for that is they are not done. Okay. I don't. Will she have a bigger, bigger, or, or, or bigger, smaller, or equal size role to as Trudy did in this season? Oh, as Trudy did. Hmm. So she was in like three I'll, episodes. I'll say she's roughly the same. Okay, I'll buy that. Uh, what do you think about how integrated Don's kids are going to be in this next season? Oh, they have to be integral. I feel feel like they did too. They took a little bit of a back seat during a large chunk of the season to the point where it's kind of a topic of this conversation. But mm-hmm. I feel like it's going to be like the reverse, that the first half of next season is going to be super kid heavy. I hope so. I mean, there there was some really interesting stuff. I mean, aside from the stuff with Sally, which was... Very interesting. Uh, you had the stuff with Bobby, like when he took him to Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, his, you know, racial sensitivity that he showed. His, so many other people weren't. His epiphany about loving his kids. Yeah, yeah. I felt like that was a pretty uh, poignant moment for Don uh, and for all parties involved. And I, I, I enjoyed that a lot. So I hope they have more of Bobby and Sally and uh, whatever... Eugene or whatever his name is. Do you think we're going to see more of Roger and Joan as an actual couple or oh, a parental no. unit? Or... No, Joan's not going to let that. Well, parental unit, possibly. Okay. I mean, she invited him back into the kid's life. So, but but there's no relationship there. Joan won't let that happen again. Mm-hmm. She's too smart for that. All right. I've got a couple of predictions. Okay. I think that they will piss off Peggy. Uh, by not making her creative director or she'll have she'll you know butt heads with ted or whatever i feel like peggy harry stan and ken will all leave because ken ken and peggy's got the pact harry is dissatisfied he sees himself as a senior partner uh he's got the big fat television contacts and and the the uh, name he's built for himself and that uh, and Stan will be, you know, along for the ride as well because he is on the outs with SCNP. I feel like they're going to form a, a rival agency. Yeah, uh, Stan wanted to build his own thing, right? Yep. Uh, I don't feel like Roger's going to be a part of that. I don't feel like Joan's going to be a part of that. I could actually see a Mad Men season seven where Roger and Joan are bit characters at best. <laughs> I think. Wow. Don is going to be begin the season just dicking around, pun intended, uh, maybe doing some ad consulting, maybe just living off his wealth. Uh, we're going to see him being a better father. We're going to see him kicking drinking. We're going to see him kicking smoking. We're going to see him exercising and working out. 
and you know Dick Whitmaning it up, but somehow this rivals uh, Peggy P H S and K <laughs> are going to recruit their old boss to land a big account, or they're going to lure him back for like basically one last heist. Okay, and so like. It seems to me that Matthew Weiner is setting us up to have a very hopeful redemptive arc for Don Draper. But I don't believe he can possibly let the series end on that note. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. So do you you feel any of that? Yes. I like the – I like the contention uh, between the two agencies. That seems like an interesting way to go with it. Uh, especially since we know that these, these people are hungry and itching to kind of do their own thing. Uh, I could see how this whole situation with Ted and Don and everything makes Peggy feel like she's being held back and joins the rest of those guys, you know? Yeah, yeah. For sure. I also think that, you know, this is going to be like where it, we jump forward like six months Mm-hmm. You know, maybe even longer than that to where we we come. have to hit the moon landing, right? We have to hit the moon landing. I almost think that the moon landing is going to be the very beginning. Oh, the beginning of of the season. And that's going to be another two parter episode. We're going to see Don really happy and well adjusted. Mm-hmm. And he's spending more time with his kids. And he's doing all that. And the end of the two parter episode is going to be him somehow sucked into the ad world back again. Oh, boy. And, you know, this, you know, slowly alienating his children. And, you know, maybe he's <laughs> he's talked Megan back and, and doing this bi-coastal thing. Because I don't I don't know that we've seen the last of Megan. Yeah, I don't think we have. Do you think that he's going to be living in California? Because, I mean, there seems no. to be nothing holding no. him back at this point, right? Absolutely not. He's, no? That, okay. I, I feel like they've set him up to at least try to kind of redeem himself with his kids. So okay. if he and goes to California, is not enough. That, yeah, I, I don't think so. I mean, that's just my kind of bias as a father. Sure. But I don't think you can have a meaningful impact on your children's life if you only see them in the summers. Um, yeah. I know there's a lot of guys, a lot of dads out there stuck in that situation, and you make the best of it. But especially a guy like Dad, I should amend that to say a guy like Don, who's got kind of a broken relationship with the children anyway, and is yeah. he can't just turn things around in a single summer. Sure. Okay. Um, a lot of people have predicted, you know, for the last two or three seasons running that this is next season going to be the season that Sally fucking goes uh, buck wild and completely acts out and gets involved in sex and drugs. I'm going to go the opposite of that and, and, and predict that we have already seen the worst of Sally's acting out. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because that cab ride with her friend where they're talking about uh, Arnold Jr., whatever his name was, Mm-hmm. Uh, with the the hot ass or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. that that felt very real to me. Yeah. Like Sally was not that concerned with being crazy. She kind of wanted to be good at school and smart. Well, I, I, yeah, yes. I don't think she wanted to be the crazy girl that her friend Julie wanted her to be. But she did get involved with alcohol and and drugs. We saw that. I just feel like that her getting kicked out of school is going to be the worst. Now, uh-huh. if my other theories are correct, I think that we're going to leave her in a dark place where, like, in the final episode, there's going to be some kind of montage that's going to be heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them is going to be, you know, her in some kind of really sketchy situation. But okay, we're not actually going to see it. It's going to be like 
you know, right before she steps off the cliff. No, no, no. I got it. So at the very end of the series, they're just going to have her take up violin lessons. What? Because the, the girl who ran out with the violin and ended oh, up in the village. Oh, okay. I gotcha. <laughs> Never I gotcha. mind. Oh, that joke fell flat. Or we see uh, what uh, what's her the violin girl and she looks like she's thirty five, <laughs> <laughs> a cigarette in one hand and a bottle of Jack in the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she looks like mid seventies Ginny Gump from Forrest Gump. <laughs> uh, a lot of miles on the tires. Um, okay, that's about all the like predictions I've got, and I'm sure they're all going to be wildly wrong. Of course, uh, because we've done this for this is the third year that we made predictions because we did a prediction cast beginning of season four we've been wildly wrong basically every single time sure so i don't and i don't think anybody when if i look at these look over these bullet points in the beginning i don't think anybody saw most of this shit happening so yeah uh let's turn it over to the experts our readers got a lot of good stuff uh i'm going to cover a little bit of facebook because i've been a little negligent on doing that this year i'm going to give some uh, facebook love and then we'll do some email and then we'll get the hell out of here um, we, there was a minor debate, uh, and, and this is something that is probably my fault because I've done a lot of comparison, uh, unfavorably breaking bad, the Mad Men, and I can't adequately express like when I'm getting in a fight with you, Jim, I can't adequately express my, how slight the advantage Mad Men has over breaking bad. It's like just a preference, okay. a very slight I think it's a stylistic preference, yes. Yes, I tend to like, you know, the understated um, and the more cerebral and, you know, more muted. <laughs> All right, you should definitely not watch Falling Skies then. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, I can enjoy I mean, obviously, I love Crank and Crank too. So it's like sure. I, can, I can disengage my brain and enjoy something, um, you know, but... Jason Schenkel had this uh, – there's there was a debate about who is the better actor, like John Hamm or <laughs> Brian Cranston. Okay. And Jason from the Nattercast had a brilliant concept. He'd like to see them do each other's biggest scenes. Don Draper awesome. is the one who knocks. Walter White <laughs> has pictures of Skyler and Walt Jr. to pitch to Kodak. I can't picture uh, John Hamm in Crawl Space. Well, no. I cannot picture I can him see, pulling like, that off. John Hamm could pull off menacing. Yeah, yeah. Can he pull off unhinged? I don't know. Uh, can Brian Cranston? We know he could pull off menacing, but can he pull off extremely charming and like own the room kind of? I don't know. Figure? I don't know. It would be so interesting. Did you see the? Uh, it's kind of like video you know, that what Samuel if Tom... Jackson recorded doing that scene from Breaking Bad. We're no. on the one who knocks. No, I bet it was epic though. Uh, it was kind of epic. I mean, it's epic in a Samuel L. Jackson is now sixty years old and he's still Samuel L. Jackson kind of way, right? But it was not. It was not the Samuel L. of old, hmm. for sure. I was I was mildly disappointed with it, but go check it out if you haven't seen it. All right, actually, uh, there's view. probably going to be a shit ton of links. Uh, in the show notes because I've got a bunch of stuff that readers have sent me that I want to share with y'all. Um. But I thought that I, I, I kind of it, it's it's right. It's like I, you know, did Brian Cranston do a better job with like completely losing his shit in a crawl space? Did John Hamm do a better job when he per- perfectly portrayed a man who's utterly lost in a ho- in a uh, mm-hmm. apartment complex or a condo lobby? Yeah, I mean, 
Both the, of them are phenomenal. Yep. How, but in their own ways. And in their own ways. And and could could each show be this could each show survive if you like flip the guys, swap them? It completely <laughs> changed the show, right? It would totally change the show. The dynamic between all the actors would be different. I, I Yeah, it's really a shame that John Hamm has not been given the opportunity to win that Emmy. Yeah, but, you know. And that Cranston has just got it so many times. I mean, right. yes, he's phenomenal, but we need some credit for Mad Men. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, because, again, The Wire never won an Emmy, so what the fuck. Uh, and also, I think that there's – I think the Emmys are busted. Uh, so Because I, I was reading – because it's like some of this does seem like horseshit. Hmm. Like, how can the Emmy people not recognize them as greatness? So they're allowed to submit one episode – for a performance. If so so if you just if you've never seen Mad Men before and you watched the Hershey's pitch, would what would that mean? It's like, okay, this is a competently executed scene. I can tell it's got emotional gravitas. Why am I sitting up and take and taking notice? Yeah. Yeah. So I point. so so and it is so understated and relying on building up a whole season's worth of tension. Yeah. Whereas Brian Cranston losing his shit in a crawl space or I'm the one who knocks. There was a or, lot of lead up or, to that. Or, or, you know, the emotional catharsis he had with Jesse in the Fly episode where he, you know. He yeah. That seems like something you can appreciate as a standalone episode and be yes. like, wow, that guy is fucking uh, tearing it up. So maybe that's why stuff like The Wire and The Mad Men does so poorly compared to. It is. Okay, so. Uh, then I'm agreeing with you. Yes, the Emmys are busted. If that's the case, because it's like they're they're, they're used you don't to take old a snapshot seri- of something and say this is what this represents the whole of the of the series. Yeah, I mean they're they're, they're used to the old procedural uh, sitcom yeah. where you have a very special episode of, and everybody puts on their Emmy faces, and yeah. people swing for defenses, and they're just standalone little thing, and everybody can like you know. Oh wow, that was a a moving performance. They they haven't adapted to the age of serialized television. Yeah, that that is a very good point. I, I think you need to at least consider the entire season and probably in context of the entire show mm-hmm. to really get an accurate. And it, and it seems like the sh- the louder, splashier, um, you know, more overt shows are going to always have an edge. You know, in because- that format, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you know, you got two characters screaming at each other. That's going to read better than, you know, two characters exchanging meaningful glances over conference table. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. Interesting. Um, a couple other questions from our readers. Why didn't, uh, Brian Hagen asks us, why didn't Don just take Peggy to California with them? This way he gets to be in California with wifey and Ted gets his distance from Peggy. Uh, well, I would guarantee that Peggy would be screaming how nice it is to have choices if she's just <laughs> randomly assigned to a punishment detail out in California. Yeah, they all of them very mu- very much felt that that was just for Sunkissed and not going anywhere. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I don't know that Peggy would have wanted to go. They're wrong because L.A. is on its way up. Sure, But sure. the characters don't themselves that. don't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Thomas VS says, it'd be cool to hear a comparison to six seasons or at least a few of them. I'd be interested in how you guys rank them from best to worst. Of course, there is no bad season of Mad Men. Oh boy. Do you agree? Uh, I agree. There is no bad season of Mad Men. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of like, there's always a down season. Yes. I think sees for me looking back, 
Season two. Season two is my <laughs> least favorite Mad Men episode. Same it is thing not with... my least favorite. Really? No. Season one is actually my least favorite. It took okay. me two tries of – actually, the first time I watched like four four or six episodes of it, uh-huh. couldn't get into it at all. Mm-hmm. Didn't like it. I don't know if I just wasn't in the mindset for that type of show or what. Uh, but then I had to watch through the entire season one to get into it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so that, that's my the bottom for me. Um. So, but there's always one like you know, The Wire. Famously, season five is the weakest one. I yeah. I'm a famously on record of saying season two of Breaking Bad is the mm-hmm. huge glaring flaw in the series. Um, even though it's a very strong season, it's got very individual strong. That I just feel like that 727 over ABQ. I, but making that the back, what making does that, that the, matter? Making that the backbone of the season was bullshit. It wasn't the backbone of the season. Yes, Jesse it was. and Jane were the backbone of the season. His her stupid dad and the plane crash didn't mean anything. It didn't matter. Well, I wish they hadn't built the whole oh, season. Up oh, to that. you're saying the backbone with those those yeah. intros. Yeah. Okay. Like gotcha. it was a very interesting. We're choice. totally spoiling season two of, of Breaking Bad right now. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. If you I don't really think so because <laughs> people like we haven't said anything that would like really spoil it. But anyway, all right. Shame on you if you haven't seen it yet. Yep. Uh, so okay, let's let's stop bullshitting. Six five three four two one. That's my <laughs> okay. That's my list. You don't get to play anymore. Um, I would have said season three is my absolute favorite. I now want just because put... somebody's foot gets run over the lawnmower. No, that was the year that uh, Don and Roger and Bert stole their company back from the Brits. Okay. Uh, it was the year that someone's foot got ran over my motor. I mean, I I just feel like I was so pumped at the end of season three it wasn't even re- it wasn't even funny but i think mm. season six is as good as season three at this point then i would put season four and five roughly the same plane i really liked the the plot line with lane i thought lane's character was done phenomenally well mm. uh so that's why i gave five such a high score yeah five probably is over four just from a standpoint of lane price dying and his whole uh, plot line uh-huh um, then I would put one and two, probably one better than two. I was, I thought one ended very strong with, uh, with, uh, you know, the, the reveal of the Don Draper mystery. I thought season yeah. two ended very bizarrely with him wa- wandering off into the ocean. <laughs> um, so that's how I would go. I would say it's, it's three, six kind of jockeying for each other, uh, four five with five, probably having the nod. Uh, and then, uh, Two one. Two one. That's me. Uh, right. Thomas's was four, one, three, five, six, two. Whoa. Which is wild. That's almost an inversion of our scale. Yeah. So there you two. go. Two. Season two getting no love though. Season two, because everybody <laughs> fucking hates season yeah. two. Uh Maggie point. Maggie L wants to know will Peggy become a man eater? Will Don start swimming again? Will Sally end up pregnant? Uh will Peggy become a man eater? No, I think the real question is, will Dawn start swimming again? <laughs> that's what everyone wants to know. No, that's I, – I assume she's – yeah. Anyway, uh, will Peggy become a man-eater? I don't see it. No, 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 no. I don't think that's Peggy's style. It would be too much the student has become the master to me. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't like anything about Dawn. Like she's flirted with that, with the ran, you know, the rando the handos. Handy. <laughs> the, the randy handies. Uh-huh. Uh, but I don't feel uh-huh. like – she has 
you know, that basically she had the opportunity to do that stand, right? And yeah. she didn't. She seems like she's a more uh, altogether evolved creature. She did so. kind of try, though, right? Like, she called Stan over for the mouse thing and was like, oh, I'll make it worth that, your while. That was, the, yeah, I, that was just the rat. And I don't for a, a second believe that she would have fucked Stan if he showed up at her door. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, uh, and also I don't think, yeah, you know, I already gone on record as I don't think Sa- we're going to see Sally uh, get pregnant or anything like that. Uh, Chelsea asks, uh, one, nothing was ever brought up with Avon after that episode and ended with Peggy saying he better call. Do you think the Avon will be the big fish next season? Um, no, apparently Matthew Weiner thinks we all should have gotten the fact that, uh, Joan landed Avon in style and we were supposed to basically see her in a prominent position at the partners meeting firing Don as evidence of that. Because if she'd have fucked it up, she would have be kind of in Pete's Pete shoes. Yeah, I can buy that. Um, I think it's kind of horseshit that he has expected us to draw that conclusion, but that's, that's, that's it. Uh, two, I believe we're going to see the return of Hilton next season. What do you guys think? Ooh, uh, he, they maybe. did. They did mention him uh, prominently uh-huh. in the episode about the Democratic National Convention in Chicago. Yep, about Connie Hilton being holed up in one of his hotels. Uh-huh. Uh, it's possible, possible, but uh, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, how big of a client? Is Hilton? Are they huge? Are they? They're oh, not Chevy Hilton's size, pretty, right? Hilton's pretty good. Yeah, it's not Chevy size, but again, yeah, Don's not, not at work, that point. I don't know. Don ain't working for SC and P. Doesn't seem like. So yeah, no, I'm be... just saying, like escalation being what it is. Uh, they've gone onto these much bigger clients, being the focus of their their uh, priority. So, like Chevy is going to be a huge one, obviously. Uh, Sunkiss will probably be a big one. Those are their biggest billings right now. Hmm. So I don't know if maybe Hilton is a big, uh, big enough billing to be a big deal. What do you think about do we? Do you think we will see? Ah, uh, shit! Uh, like Lucky Strike come back <laughs> oh, after the letter? Are you kidding me? Eh. They said they'll never do business with you again. It's a different firm. That's what old Baxter said. But but what if they come back with uh, under Peggy's new firm before Don gets there? She's she's got an anchor of Virginia Slims. Ah, they <laughs> they wouldn't do a rival. They wouldn't they wouldn't be able to do a rival. All right, yeah. never mind. Uh, Cactus Jesse says uh, believes that uh, Betty and Don will end up together again. What do you think of that? Uh, nah, don't like it. Nah, Betty's too happy now. <laughs> Betty Betty's on the right track. I don't want to see her back with Don. He'll just ruin her again. Levi asks, would like to hear me and your favorite song choices from this season. Oh, geez. I thought the Beatles song was really awesome. I like the one, and I believe it was Tale of Two Cities. Uh, uh, Janis Joplin's Every Little Piece of My Heart pl- uh, firing up as uh, Pete fired up the doobie. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. It's probably my favorite. Uh, uh, creep, with, Creeper Pete with yeah. his, his creepy stares. Yeah. Staring down the booty. Uh-huh. Uh, the Levi's personal, high. Levi's personal fee, uh, favorite was Reach Out in the Darkness in Episode 7, Man of the Plan. This is a good one. Okay. Jennifer H. Uh, says there's not a lot of comment on the internet about Megan's uh, your crazy or messed up kid snipe at Don. I chalk it up to her being young, kind of dumb, and naive, and only an occasional weekend babysitter. If she were full-time with kids, you'd be calling her Megan Monster. Um, I no, know she said we're all in the same boat. Well, also, and also there's a big difference calling Don's kids messed up 
in front of the kids, like <laughs> Beggy, Be- Betty would frequently or do. Or telling it to their psychiatrist um, while you're getting analyzed. <laughs> right. Or and, and saying it in private to Don in a moment of complete peak and frustration with your relationship. Yeah. So, yeah. but to be fair, that's what I've been saying the last couple of years. Like we're kind of seeing how Betty got to be the way Betty was like for sure. Betty not, was not necessarily fully formed as Betty monster. Uh, when she popped out of their mother's cooch, it was partly <laughs> her upbringing and a lot of Don contributing to that. So, but also Megan's point in that scene was not your kids are fucked up. Yeah. It was you're fucking up your kids. Right, that and I'm and I'm in the same boat. So yeah, it's like there's also a little bit of a little more solidarity, I think. There, yeah. Uh, Anne says, uh, "Madman deals uh, so deeply with people's interior lives and dark personal secrets, which are appropriately pe- played out in internal, almost claustrophobic settings. But in the final scene, Donna's kids are outdoors, and the wind is blowing, signifying hmm. an opening of doors, a sweeping clean of old sins. From this, we can certainly assume that Donna's reached the most significant inflection point of the series, and he's sharing with his children." More specifically, Sally. Other outdoor outdoor imagery came early in the season when he visits Bobby at camp. His genuine emotional connection with Betty comes when they're outdoors talking about the kids. We also learn that Sally was conceived out in the woods years earlier. Again, they hint to us that Don's path to redemption, freeing himself of inner de- demons, is through his children. Thus and my- Sally's going to go to Woodstock? <laughs> yeah! Thus, my prediction for the final season is that Don's path redemption will come through Sally and Sally alone. She represents in almost every way the fresh air and sunshine that will heal his broken soul. Wow. I like it. Yeah, good take. I don't think that uh, Matt Weiner is going to let that happen, <laughs> but I feel like that's probably the direction we'll start out in anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew wonders, how exactly did Don get shafted? Joan, who was Don, whose Don's always respected, was still mad that he fired her John. She willingly turned her back on him? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Teddy, who Don had just given a second lease on life, was also willing to, willing to F Don in the A. Roger, who has no friends except Ethan and whose family hates him, is willing to turn heel on one of his only pals, too. Junior partner Pete, who is threatened by all the other partners and hated by Roger, is cool with a ringing Don Stringer bell. Uh, I feel like I needed a scene where they convinced each other of this decision. Hmm. Do you feel like that this flows naturally? I do. As as the season progressed, we could see Don becoming increasingly more rash with his decisions yeah. and, and not thinking things through. And if you go uh, back to... I think it was just a final straw. And if you go back... Even for Roger. If you go back to season four, Don has not really been on his A game for three seasons now. Yeah, he was kind of checked out of work all through season five. And all through season. So you got three years of basically him coasting on reputation and not. Yeah. You know, he he had some flashes of brilliance here and there, but mostly it's been one bizarre, puzzling thing to happen after another. That said, I was kind of surprised that that happened. Uh, While I was watching it, I was like, oh, wow, okay. Sure, sure. That that seems kind of uh, a big leap to take here. So maybe a scene where, you know. They had at least discussed it. Like, maybe... It probably wouldn't have had the, the shocking impact that he wanted mm-hmm. if they had talked about it. So maybe that's why he didn't do it. But, yeah, it felt a little out of the blue. Uh, Alexander K says, I enjoyed watching Pete lose two Cold Wars. First, he failed to appreciate that his father-in-law wasn't going to take in account 
or it wasn't going to be deterred by mutually assured destruction after the brothel <laughs> run in. Ken's advice had some logic to it, but failed to take into account that her, his father wasn't going to act logically when he sees his daughter being cheated on. Then Pete thought he'd keep uh, Bobby B at bay with the threat of dropping the truth bomb about Bob's past, but blew it when he himself got emotional over his uh, mother's maritime misfortunes. I like this guy's alliteration. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Uh, both situations played out like Dr. Strangelove, rational self-interest failing in the face of flawed human psychology and precious bodily fluids. <laughs> yeah. Can't argue with anything there. For sure. Let's uh, dip into the mailbag and see what we got here. Um, Lewis R. said, which Mad Men character will go to Woodstock on August 15th? I think Sally will take off and go. The week before Woodstock, Sharon Tate was murdered. Three weeks before mm. that, we landed on the moon. It will be an interesting final season. Do you think that the Sharon Tate murder is going to, at any, pay off with Megan at all? I feel like... No, I'm, so, I'm calling no right now. Yeah, I feel like Tom and Lorenzo has done a really good job of helping us to appreciate that they're rarely that on the nose. It's... yeah. You know, the fact that Megan has has styled herself like Sharon Tate is to, you know, because Sharon Tate was very much, uh, you know, early adopter of the 70s and very glamorous. She was symbolic of the time. Exactly. I think Um, that's more what it is. But we got to get, we got to get, we got to get some moon landings in there, right? Oh, yeah. If we don't at least get somebody watching the moon landing on TV. I mean, everybody was watching that thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Everybody. It was a moment in time that just stopped society. Sure. Hell, I came in on the tail end of that shit, and it still was a big effect of me uh, on me as a kid. So yeah. Uh, he, uh, Kevin in San Diego says, "I think the re- season recap podcast is a perfect opportunity for Jim and Aaron to come clean on Harry Crane. <laughs> Need to admit that there's a lot of evidence that Harry's good at his job, and he put SC and P in good position to capitalize on the growth of TV av- advertising. If his job is packing away White Castles, then hell yeah. He's brilliant. <laughs> and picking up whores with travelers, checks. <laughs> when Avon asked Joan what makes her agency different, the first thing she mentioned is Harry Crane and his computers that will fill the room. Harry's media plan saves the Sunkiss campaign. Uh, Harry Don- himself fills the room. Uh, when Peggy comes into the conference room to announce that she's leaving for the day, Harry is at the head of the conference table, apparently leading a meeting with Cutler and Teddy Cha. We all had a good laugh at Harry's Broadway Joe on uh, Broadway idea earlier this season, but these kinds of specials were doing great numbers in the late 60s and early 70s. It was probably a good buy for Dow. I think there's a good chance either Harry will be made partner or that he will be part of a break-off agency to compete with SC&P. I agree with you. Harry's a pig, but he does <laughs> appear to be pretty good at his job. Yeah, he gets yeah, respect from everyone yeah. but Burt Co- Cooper. All right, fine. But he's just so creepy. <laughs> he's he's not really that creepy. He's just yeah, he, he is. seems incompetent. His uh, his I don't know. He's visually incompetent. Another interesting as uh, comparison. I was reading some stuff on Reddit. People compared uh, Te- uh, Ken and Harry, and oh, I didn't, I forgot this that. Ken was much more of a horn dog in the first two seasons, and it was Harry that was all torn up about you got to be faithful to your wife and blah 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 blah. Wow. Now Ken is happily married and a family man, and Harry is a fucking train wreck of hedonism. Yeah, I I didn't even remember that about Ken and Harry. From the beginning. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, anyway. Uh, Tara P says, I'm one of those crazy people who immediately recognized Band of Gold from the first episode while watching the season six finale. (laughs) 
Part of the reason is I created a playlist of all the music from the show in chronological order. Thought I'd share it with you. It's available mm. on Spotify and updated through season six. A couple songs may be missing just because of availability, but I hope you enjoy. Uh, that is awesome, Tara. Thank you for sharing that with me. I don't know that you want me to share it with other people. Um, if you don't mind, let us know, and I'll post it to the show notes. I'll update it with the show notes later and maybe post it on, on Facebook. But I don't want to be just giving people's Spotify plays. I subscribe to you, though. So um, right. I can't wait for next season. I'm going to use that to get me in the mood. Josh P. says, so the story of Don Draper, though compelling, has been told before. Let me know if this sounds familiar to another famous character. Don is orphaned at a young age. He grows up in a whorehouse when he learns about warped lessons through... Uh, uh, wait. He grows up in a whorehouse where he learns about warped lessons about human nature from professionals. In his early 20s, he takes on a new identity. In a time where a small portion of society is rebelling against war and equity and capitalism, he uses the lessons learned in the, temp, uh, in the temple on inequities in to champion the cause of the American consumer machine with his place in advertising. He leaves a path of pain and destruction as he tells people what is best for them. He constantly sinks to new depths. Ah, Those closest to him are powerless yep. to help, even his mentor Roger. His older child, oldest child tries hard not to fall into the same traps that ruined his father. And the single moment when they see them for who, for who he is, there seems to be good in him. And at that moment, we realize that uh, she or he is the only one that can save his soul. But will she be turned along the way? Yep, I know exactly who this is. Who is it? It's Aaron. <laughs> no it's darth vader right yeah anakin skywalker <laughs> it's an age-old story the son or daughter in this case has to be the one who saves or atones for his father's sin the question is how will the wiener end it good stuff all right hard to argue it's the it's the hero's quest uh mike c said hey guys my brother-in-law shared this video from slate with me it's very interesting i wondered why vietnam was not more prominent in this season this asserts that there was a major part of the season. Uh, it was a, was a major part of the season just expressed through the Chevy account. Uh, this was a uh, video put together by Forrest Wickman and Chris Wade over at Slate. Uh, I can't do justice to it now. It's about five minutes long. I'm going to link it to the show notes. It is fantastic. It basically says that the entire Chevy and Detroit story was a parable about the Amer Americans' involvement in Vietnam. And it tracks basically right along with the story of Vietnam in 1968, which is, I, I guess is the bloodiest year for that particular war. Um, yeah, there's a lot heard. of, a lot of symbolism, like with Stan, mm -hmm. um, you know, getting, uh, 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 pricked with arrows was a, a allegory of, uh, the, uh, shot of, uh, Muhammad Ali tied up against a tree shot through arrows. Who was, a um, you know, conscious objector. Yep. Uh, anti-war activist um you pretty know, good fact, boxer too the fact that he was wearing a headband <laughs> called to mind christopher walken scene in deer hunter mm -hmm. uh, it just goes on and on and on gm being a major defense contractor again it's it's a really good uh cut uh and and concise cut of explaining the allegory and I'll, and I'll link it to uh in the show notes again uh, Shep points out when Bob points or shuts the door for pete after he gets inside the z28 he essentially shuts the door on pete's career as Don prepares to tell Megan he's not going to California, he tells her to sit down, but she doesn't. After Don arrives at the partner's meeting Thanksgiving morning, he tells him, he asks him if he should sit down, and he doesn't. He says, it's good to know you'll be soon trading in your scotch and bourbon for meth. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we don't, <laughs> we don't actually smoke meth on Breaking Good, but I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm super pumped 
for final season of Breaking Good, not the least because we our Kickstarter has been very successful. Um, yep. We are going to have it bigger, better, and more awesome than we ever had this year, and we're pumped about it. So, um, shit, we got, like, not even six weeks left. Yeah, it's crazy. It feels like an eternity once we got done with Mad Men. But... Well, and it's going to be a long six weeks without... You know, well, I'm still doing Falling Skies. Yeah, yeah, so go yeah. check that terrible show out. Well, I'd have to catch up on. <laughs> it's two not seasons. terrible. Yeah, I was gonna say, are you are you digging this or not? You were like all in, and now like so one I, bad episode is like, oh fuck them. No, I I really liked uh, seasons one and two. I I mean, it's not Breaking Bad level, of course. It's on TNT, but mm-hmm. uh, this last, not the most recent episode, but the episode before that, I just hated. It was terrible all around. Anyway. All right, Mike W. says, I'm going through withdrawal now that Mad Men is over. You can't stop cold turkey like that. Uh, <laughs> moments after Don admits that he is an orphan, he dreamed of a better life attending the Milton Hershey sh- School for Orphans. He fulfills Ted's wish and allows him to go to California. Realizing the damage he's done to Sally, who comes from a broken home, Don is playing catcher in the rye and saving Ted's kids from the same. While Megan may not agree, this was a selfless act on Don's part and a clear indication that he's finally trying to shed his Draper persona. Ted, however, repays his favor by giving Don the axe from SC&P. I know he wasn't at the Thanksgiving morning leave of absence meeting, but as one of the partners, he had to have signed off on it, right? I know Don had been an asshole to him throughout the season, but having just thrown Ted's marriage and family life a raft, I thought that that was some cold-blooded shit from Ted. In addition to the way he uh, he treated Peggy, Ted really ended the season on a sour note. Have fun in Cali with the GLP. You two deserve each other. What do you yeah, mean? Rem- remember when Ted was such a nice guy? Uh, that went south pretty quick. He still seems like a nice guy. He's just a douchey nice guy the way he goes <laughs> about it. Okay. Um, and also, yeah, it seems like he could have maybe done a little bit more to throw himself in front of the Don. Like, give him one more chance. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. I'm not going to California if you don't. I don't know. Well, it's hard to look super nice next to a guy like Bob Benson. <laughs> he, <laughs> you know? He breaks your nice calibration. <laughs> James C. says, the one comparison I've not heard made is between Arnold Rosen and Virgil. Uh, oh, he's talking ta- about Dante's talking Inferno. Talking about Dante's Inferno. Virgil was Dante's trusted guide through the underworld because he was something Dante revered and thought of as a mentor. Or someone that Dante revered and thought of as a mentor, even though Virgil predated Dante by approximately 1,200 years. It seems to me that Dr. Rosen had the potential to be Virgil to Don, but Don passed on it. My question is... Is Don capable of being mentored and befriended in that way, or is he a lost cause? Put another way, prediction time, gentlemen, will Don be redeemed? What do you think, Jim? Uh, I'm going to say no. I I don't see him being fully redeemed at all. If he does, it's going to be through a woman, because I don't feel like Dick Whitman can authentically relate to men. And this thing with Arnold is a perfect example why. Yeah. Although on you know he also had the whole thing about him fucking his wife, uh, <laughs> holding him back <laughs> well, from uh, really con- conflicting uh, connecting with him too. Uh, friend of the show Rachel says, "Looking forward to the cast. I think this season ends on a hopeful note for Don that he could potentially change. My theory for the next season and season series finale will be that whatever Don tries, it won't work. He won't be able to change to repair the relationship with his kids. To be honest with himself, wherever you go, there you are." Also this season, I was struck that most of Don's interactions with everyone involved pitches. He is constantly pitching, staying in a relationship to Megan, trusting him to Ted, the partners, and Peggy. Unlike season one, his pitches just aren't working anymore. 
Yep. Um, whether he's ahead of his time, like Wiener said, uh, or he's behind the time, like a lot of commentators will say, he is not got the same Don Draper magic. Unless he and everyone else are high on speed. <laughs> okay. Then he's like fucking on fire. Uh, Virginia says, Mad Men is as much a show about Don Draper's journey from digger of latrines to carrier of incurable STDs as it is about Peggy's... <laughs> Uh, okay. His transformation from Pete Campbell pregnancy test to empowered modern feminist. It's worked fairly well uh, so far. The problem: Matt Weiner is a TV chef who cooks well with only one ingredient: male mommy issues. <laughs> Peggy's story outside of Weiner's comfort zone is exists outside of the Weiner's comfort zone, the mommy issues framework. And while it's been enjoyable to watch Peggy's upward climb. Matthew Weiner seems to want to accomplish this by trying to turn her into a man. That's problematic because women's liberation isn't at all about mimicking men. It was about women making their own way, banding together, and really pushing men on their BS and their patriarchal nonsense. Instead of providing us with this new template for a woman throughout the series, and especially last season, uh, the wiener has been trying hard to turn Peggy into a man. As everyone knows, the name Peggy derives classically from the slang term pegging which is when a woman say ida blankenship straps and what the fuck as this everyone knows as everyone knows this isn't true <laughs> <laughs> i question this has got to be a joke etymology. Right? it's got to be yeah okay uh straps and on performs uh coitus with a male say roger sterling <laughs> Uh, Matthew Weiner seeds Peggy's oh, action man. with constant phallic references. For example, Peggy stabbed Abe with her spear <laughs> her spear tipped sheephole. This show's been good about tackling long-standing and still present gender equality issues, but I wish he wouldn't always presume Peggy can only rise in the world when she mimics male behavior. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. So the email started off good, right? <laughs> um, no, it started off it started off weird with the uh, incurable STDs and the Pete Campbell mm. pregnancy test. It it then got strong, and then it okay. took a unexpected pratfall, like a Pete Campbell falling down the stairs. <laughs> okay, but there was a strong point in there. Yes, the core of that email, regardless of the the etymology of Peggy, yes. uh, whatever that may or may not be. Uh, the, the idea that, yeah, Matt Wiener doesn't really know how to write a uh, strong feminist. Yeah. Uh, a, a powerful woman who isn't just mimicking a man. I think that's pretty valid. I I see where she's coming from. Uh, also, you got to think this is a guy who just came off of Sopranos. Yeah. So not a whole lot of uh, feminist ideals in there either. Well, I mean, it's hard to write what you don't know. You know Certainly, Matthew yeah. Matthew uh, Weiner owns a penis, operates a penis. He's had mommy. He's probably he has a mother who he probably uh-huh. has issues with. Sure, um, it's it's much harder to write uh, from the other perspective. It's not an excuse. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I, I agree with the email. Mad Brew and I went on at length in the uh, Game of Thrones podcast about you know male straight white privilege and how it kind of interfere with uh, entertainment uh, options. So. Apparently he had no idea how to write a black woman in the '60s either. Holy shit! Because that's he just we decided we're going to cut that shit right out. Yeah, like <laughs> it's almost like I thought they were building somewhere brilliant uh-huh. with the MLK episode, but then it's just dropped like a hot potato. Completely. And Never I don't know whether again. that's the point that, like, you know. He has no idea. Like, no, don't try to cover up for him. The, the, you don't think it's a creative choice? No. 
Okay. Because why have those scenes with Don looking at his desk, wondering where Don is? Yeah, no, I, I get it, and I don't. There I don't, was obviously more there that didn't make the show. Even if it is a creative choice, it's horseshit that you know he kind of starts building up Don to be an interesting character and portraying yeah. this journey she's going through and um, the stuff she went through with Peggy last year, and then Joan, mm-hmm. the most awkward hug in the universe, <laughs> uh, and you know these. I, and it just goes nowhere. So, yeah, it, it literally goes nowhere. Her yeah. character doesn't even go anywhere. She disappeared yeah. in, in the whole last of the season and came back in just in time for Don to basically... To uh, fire her by saying yeah, he's by, going to California. By going to California, right. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, Alex F., last email of the season, says, Great season overall, one of Mad Men's strongest. 68 was a turbulent year in American history, and I think this season did a great job of mirroring that in the characters' lives. The uh, Matthew Weiner had a good line about it in his interview with Vulture and season six. We're also telling the story of 1968 and 68 is a lot like Don in the sense that even if we could get away with returning to normal, that was not enough. He actually had to have at least a small breakthrough. Finally, if you haven't seen the Mad Men screenshots of things drawn on, on them, Tumblr, treat yourself because it's the best goddamn thing ever. Uh, Mad Men with things drawn on them dot dot com. I will post that as well in the show notes because it is very, very funny. Uh, so yeah, a dark, weird, uncomfortable, and terrific season of Mad Men. I get why it's so polarizing amongst critics, but I loved it. Can't wait for season seven, and I'll see you in a month or so for Breaking Good. That's a good segue for our, uh, one last time to pimp the Kickstarter. It's got, I think, nine days left to go. We're currently about 60 bucks away from Jim and I having to do a Mystery Science Theater. I'm so pumped for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, we kind of want the pressure to actually do it because we've been wanting to do this for some time. It was actually one of our, uh, before we decided to do television podcasts and we thought about doing this, yeah. uh, doing MST3K style funny commentaries for television and movies. We will do one for you if we get to the $5,000 mark. We're almost there. Doubt that we get to our loftier goals yeah. Um uh, of daily news updates and advancing the podcast for one calendar day. But also that was going to be the more ambitious and harder to, to retrofit into our lives. So um, I'm not going to say we're happy we didn't get there, but I'm at peace. They were the last two for a reason. Yeah. Because they were difficult to execute on. But if you if you want to make our lives difficult, <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. you know, f- f- uh, throw a couple bucks onto the bonfire. If you know uh, any sheiks out there, if you know uh, any sheiks out there, there's still. I a think 50, I get one percent of that. So there's still the fifty good. million dollar stretch goal. <laughs> Emphasis on stretch. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, stretch hole. No, but the, seriously, there's nine days left. If you'd like to get a cool T-shirt, if you'd like to get some of the other backer rewards, um, there's still some time to get in on that. Uh, we appreciate everyone who supported us so far. Uh, we're really pumped about uh, Breaking Good and all the improvements that are coming to it this season. Thank you so much for your guys' support. And if you guys haven't checked it out, uh, do so. I've got uh, I spilled a bunch of ink about the different stretch goals and what we're trying to do. We got a cool project video. Won't be around for very much longer. So got the one-time commemorative T-shirt. Yep, it'll be gone, gone forever, gone yep. like the Disney Vault. <laughs> uh. If you want to stick with the Bald Move Network throughout our hiatus, uh, first of all, Jim's covering Falling Skies on a video blog. You can find that at baldmove.com. You can also catch up on a couple fantastic shows. If uh, you aren't caught up on Breaking Bad, 
you still got time. You're going to have to marathon that shit, pretty <laughs> average it episode a day, but you can just do it and listen to our podcast all along. We got we got coverage of season four on and Breaking Bad. Uh, we got Game of Thrones. We got Walking Dead. We got Justified. We got Downton Abbey, courtesy of Tom and Kelly. Uh, also, we got the boys, Eric and Jesse, holding things down in Seattle. I think they're flipping us the keys to their cast this week. We're going to do a personal arrogance. That's because right. We're taking over Seattle. Jesse got married, and Eric was wanting to do the 4th of July with his uh, new bride. So we are going to destroy their show for them. <laughs> Leave it in flames. Oh, yeah. Destroy what little fan base they have. Man, I'm just being a condescending prick to them. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Uh, feels good. Don't worry. They don't listen to our shows anyway. <laughs> uh, you actually, can all... I think Eric does, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. He, he, actually, he loves Mad Men. He, he likes Mad Men. I don't think yeah. they watch our other shows, but they do like Mad Men. Okay. Um, you can also follow the girls on the Bacaz show, Gerilyn, Amy, and Susan, they've come roaring back after their hiatus. Um, they are fascinating. If you like uh, books, uh, if you like uh, talking about makeup, if you like talking about relationship and real shit, things getting real, check out the Because Show. It's really great. We're proud to have them on our show. Uh, we always appreciate reviews and ratings on iTunes. You guys have been fantastic about this uh, this season. Thank you for making us. Uh, I got to say, we're we're... Probably the most popular Mad Men podcast. Are we? Mad Men Recap is another really good one. but It is, uh, but it seems like we're like neck and neck depending on what the release date. And it's been depending all Depending on the... whether or not you like dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but what little, what, little, what little fame and success we've got in this regard, we will owe it all to, all to the people Completely. that like and review us on iTunes. So if you haven't yet, maybe give us one to grow on for next year. Uh, you can also... Um, Use our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com to support us. And also, please tell a friend. If you got a friend that's in or a family member that's in the television, quality television, quality podcast, uh, podcasting, I'm having a hard time completing sentences. <laughs> Send them on to baldmove.com. We'd love to have them. Thanks for everyone who sent out feedback. Uh, one, of the, one of the reasons that this is my favorite pod, uh, show to personally podcast about is because we get so much great takes from our listeners. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at least half an analysis comes from you guys. Thank you for making it difficult for us to make cuts uh, throughout the year, for, uh, for us to, you know, having to really brutalize and, and agonize over every single one that we didn't read and the ones we had to edit down. Um, we really appreciate you guys making our lives difficult in that regard because it just feels good. You open up your mailbox, you got a ton of awesome thoughts and good feelings coming to you about this show, and we lo we love it. Thanks for everybody that followed my live threads on uh, Facebook. Try to do a better job next year of integrating some of that feedback, but uh, I love catching up on what everybody's thinking during the commercial breaks. Thanks to everybody following Jim on Twitter. Got anything else? Looking at me like I've got an announcement after that spiel. <laughs> that was that was epic, man. Hey, I just got nothing but love. I yeah. wish I could get. No, I I totally agree. But I, I wish damn, I could get an awkward hug to each and every one of our <laughs> listeners. Ooh, an awkward big bosomed Joan <laughs> hug to all of our listeners. For yeah. putting up with us and sticking with us this Can't year. Gonna need some bigger bosoms for that. I don't know, man. No, 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 no. Got nothing on Joan. Yeah, that's true. I'm yeah. not gonna front. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, I agree with everything that Aaron just said. Thank you, everybody, so much for supporting us through this season. We'll see you next season, uh, just before, uh, one week before the show comes back on to do our Season 7 preview cast. Uh, and until then, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. See you next year, guys. Thank you.